the nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I will be your host for today's uh, nonprofit MBA podcast, as I have been for the past six years. I kind of got to change that saying I'm the host because everyone knows I'm the host. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I, and for those of you who don't know me and uh, a lot of first time listeners, I'm sure I'm the co founder of Financing Solutions. And for the last 13 years, Financing Solutions has been the, the number one leading provider of lines of credit to small nonprofits in the United States. And yes, there is a company that focuses on lines of credit for nonprofits. I, you know, listen, in the past, it's, it still is. It's next to impossible for a line of credit to get a nonprofit uh, line of credit from a bank. And that's exactly what we do. We are usually actually using our own money and we've been doing it for a long time. And it's, it's just really helpful for nonprofits to have a line of credit. So if you're interested, just visit our website at nonprofitmbapodcast.com and you can learn more about us. You can apply. It takes two minutes and you'll find out um, if you, you know, what you qualify for. And if you, and if you don't, uh, we'll tell you exactly why. Um, and today we have a sponsor for the podcast, Arrays Fast Fund Online is accounting software that's used, that's made specifically for small to medium sized nonprofits. It's a great product, so much better than using QuickBooks. Or if you're still using Excel, you know, it's time to move on. Uh, it's not expensive and it's really a great product. And if you're interested in learning more about Arrays, please visit their website at arrays.com, A-R-A-I-Z-E.com. Um, today, I'm very excited and happy to be speaking with Juan Tavares from DEI ProFinder uh, and DEI, because I asked Juan when he got on what that stands for. It was, you know, it was not bright of me, <laughs> but it stands for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion ProFinder. So, uh, we're going to be talking about that today, I'm sure too. And so today, uh, today's topic is how to create people-centered and mission-aligned cultures for your nonprofit. Um, before we get into that uh, discussion, I'd like to introduce Juan. Juan Tavares is a people-oriented human resources and diversity, equity, and inclusion professional with 17 plus years of experience designing, orchestrating, and championing inclusive workplace initiatives that foster psychological safety, strengthens organizational alignment, and increases engagement. Juan, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast. Thank you for having me, Stephen. So when people bring you on an assignment, typically what 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 is the purpose? Yeah, great question. So I have um, the vast majority of my experience is in, is in the HR space. Um, and then I, I've done some diversity, equity, and inclusion work over the last three to five years. So, but my focus is on, on developing strategy. So I, I, when someone reaches out to me, they either, uh, and why I'm excited to be talking to you, cause I do a lot of work with nonprofits and 13 of, of my, of, of the years I've spent in, in the workforce were in as a nonprofit leader. Um, <clears throat> but they're, they're either ready for an HR their first HR hire, um, you know, they're, they're, they're growing and 
need someone to come in and set up those initial HR processes and, and the foundation for for that department. Um, or, uh, and, and these are the more interesting projects, as you might imagine, are the turnaround jobs, right? They're um, they're uh, either in a, in a hyper growth phase and they can't keep up with it. So the current systems are just not sustaining or, or not uh, at, at the scale where they need to be, or they've had some trouble uh, with uh, HRs, again, systems or processes, and they need someone to come in and just kind of fix and clean things up. So that's that's where I spend most of my time. And then with DI ProFinder, um, I, I also support with the development of diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. I, I don't do direct service in that space because I have a directory uh, that I rely on. So I have a, um, a, a network of DEI consultants and trainers and professionals that I tap for specific projects um, related to my clients' needs. I get you. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about today's subject is how to create people-centered and mission-aligned cultures for or nonprofits, you know, it's my guess is, is that, that if executive directors are focusing, if they're already, if they understand the value of creating people-centered and mission-aligned cultures, they're well ahead of 90% of the other companies out there or organizations out there. Um, why should one? create people-centered and mission-aligned um, culture? Why should they? Yeah, yeah, that's sort of the, the business case for it. So I'll, I'll say uh, the, the more obvious ones, right, are you, you have, when, you, when your workforce is uh, values-driven and mission-aligned, you get more out of them, and not and not to say that people are are, are widgets or, or or things that that we're trying to, um, you know, just just get get more out of. But it's more about the the uh, their desire to 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 be to be more for you and for your organization. There's an alignment there that that goes beyond. Um, I need a job, or this is a paycheck, right? This is there is a a desire to to support the mission. They um, they have a, a a personal connection to the work that you're doing, um, and and they see themselves in the future of that organization. So you you ultimately get, um, which comes with you know higher retention, uh, less uh, more stability over the long term. Um, folks that uh, stick around, uh, especially in the nonprofit sector, as things you know the uh, things change quickly and depending on uh, one year to the next and, and funding and all that stuff, um, you want, it, it, it's incredibly beneficial to have folks that have been there for a long time and, and, and sort of know the history and the story. So um, focusing on those things, uh, values and, cult and, and, and the mission aligned culture uh, help in those, in those areas. When you, um, I know this would be, um, and it depends on the size of the organizations you're working with, but how many times do you go into a nonprofit organization and find that they have not defined their, 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 their purpose, mm -hmm. uh, their mission, their culture? Um, how many times you, do you see that, 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 that groundwork has not been done? Great question. So, in, and I have to think about this really quickly. Um, I, I, it would only be, in my experience, maybe a handful of, of cases where they so, haven't had uh, that. Twenty five percent of the time, ten percent of the time. I would say, yeah, ten percent of the time, maybe ten percent of the time. 
Here's yeah. what I would add though. 80% of the time that that is in place. Uh, but, but it's, but it, but it's not a, a, a it's not a living part of the organization, yeah. right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something that's, that so that's yeah, yeah. So 80% of the time, the executive director ha has done that work, maybe with the board, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and it just, it's collecting dust yep. and they don't review it. They don't, it doesn't become part of the culture. Is that fair Absolutely. to say? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so if we just jumped ahead a little bit, uh, that's good to hear that it's 80%. Now, the organizations you're dealing with, I'm sure that they're more than $5 million in revenue. The, yeah. ma the majority of them, yeah. Mm -hmm. So my, my guess is that anything and, and anything under $5 million revenue, that that 80% number of people who have those three things done drops to maybe 10% or less. And, um, and so, you know, I think, you know, when we're talking about this subject matter today of, of people centered and mission aligned cultures, it's by far the number one step for smaller nonprofits is yeah. you got to define your mission, your, 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 your purpose and your, your culture, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, you, you mentioned earlier how important uh, it is for nonprofits to have a line of credit. And I couldn't agree more uh, because nonprofits are, are businesses. You know, you, you need the money to secure the money to make sure that you keep the, the, the engine going. But next, I, in, in my perspective, the, the next most important thing is your people. And what, what kind of uh, talent are you attracting? What kind of talent do you want to attract? And in order to be clear on that, you have to be really clear about what your mission is, what your what, where, what's, what's the stake in the ground, right? That you're, you're, you're putting in around the work that you do. And then what are the values, um, that, that ultimately will, will create the culture that's going to sustain this nonprofit long-term and skipping that step early on, uh, leads to, to a lot of issues. I, I, I talk to leaders that are like, oh, that'll come later. Right now I just need to get X, Y, Z in place. And, and I'm like, well, you can do that, but, uh, it's going to hurt you. Yeah. And, and, and the, let me, tell you too, if someone were to respond that way to me as a, as an executive director, you know, to say that to me, I'd be like, is the, I'm assuming what you're saying to me, Mrs. or Mr. Executive Director is that fundraising is the number one thing that you need to be working on right now. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So the answer would be yes. I'd say is you can't fundraise. You can't make a sales pitch, quote unquote, if you don't understand the organization's purpose, mission, culture. So that if I, if I was to start a brand new nonprofit, which, you know, there's, there's good potential. I will be. It's the number one thing I was going to do. That's the number one thing I, I would do before I, I opened the doors. I would say that, you know, because I need to be able to tell the people that I'm going to be raising money from the employees are going to be working for, or even where I spend my time what our purpose is, right? Um, and, and I'm saying is that's not something you do on a napkin over a day. This is like something you really have to put a lot of thought into yeah. before you actually open the door. And, and I'm going to tell you with my businesses that I've had done, you know, which I've had opened several, I've done that before I opened the door. I said, this is going to be our culture, our mission, our purpose. And, our, and, um, you know, this is what we're trying to achieve. So, um, fair.
I love that. Yeah. I, 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 and to your point, it's not, it's not something that happens in one day or this is a lot of mindset and heart, heart set work, right? You have to figure out, um, cause this culture has to, or your values and your mission, it, it will eventually outlive you. Right. So it has to be, um, your North star, like what, what's, what is it that you're driving towards? And then, uh, once you're really clear on that, then then the funders and the people that you need to to make that happen will more easily align with with that trajectory, as opposed to you know you to like to use your example, you're pitching something, you need money to to do what? <laughs> what is it that you're trying to achieve? Yeah, yeah. I, I think too, like nonprofits honestly have a much easier. Um, way of answering those questions about um mission purpose culture those those things than a for-profit business does it's mm-hmm. much easier a, a for-profit business wants to to incorporate the human elements of what they do into the uh, into their mission culture and, and and so it's much harder for a for-profit business. but for a nonprofit, it's 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 really more belt uh, built in the difference between a for-profit and a nonprofit that a nonprofit does better at is the measurements. It's very Mm -hmm. simplistic. It's if you're running a good business, it's about making money because if you don't make money, you can't, you know, you really can't survive. That's the same thing for a nonprofit too. Nonprofits. I think sometimes measuring things, you know, it's much harder Right. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, when, so when I think I, if I were, you know, to look at this again and say, uh, culture, I'm sorry, uh, mission, purpose, culture, how do we measure ourselves? That's what a nonprofit needs to really work on. And that's hard. I think the, the measurement part is hard. Um, I agree. Right. Yeah. Um, and- so often we're, we're, we're nonprofits are measuring impact, right? Both internal and external. And that's, there's a lot of, uh, it's not tangible. It's, it's squishy. <laughs> um, but you're absolutely right. And I think if, if when you have a clear mission and, and a clear set of values and uh, you're, you're hiring people that are aligned with those two things, then the measuring <clears throat> Like it, there's some basic stuff in, in the HR world that you can measure like retention rates and uh, um, something. One of my favorite uh, tools is the the NPS, right? The, the net promoter score. Like how likely is it that someone on your team will recommend working here to a friend or yeah. a family member? That's huge. Um, and anyway, so there, there are things you can do. But to your point, it's it's a lot it's a lot more challenging uh, in the nonprofit. Is there a good book? Like if someone said, okay, um, Stephen Wan, I buy into what you're saying, you know, that I need to really define all these things. Um, and um, is there a good book that you would recommend that someone mm-hmm. reads? That's a great question. I would have to think about it. The, the first book that comes to mind, it's less, uh, has more to do with leadership. Um, it's, it's managing to change the world. It's by the, the management center. And wow. They're based out of, out of New York City, um, and it's a book I I discovered. Uh, not that I discovered it, but, uh, so my, an executive leader that I used to work with uh, gave to me as as a gift um, many years ago, and 
it has, uh, I appreciate, I've learned a lot from it and I still reference it today. So it's not, uh, it's really about how do you show up as a, as a nonprofit leader, um, wanting to, again, have the, have the greatest impact. And it, it, what I like about the book is that it has some very concrete strategies for, um, conversations that you need to have the systems that need to be in place and like your one-on-one check-ins with your staff members or um, the performance review process, et cetera. And they have a ton of free tools on their website. Um, so it's the managementcenter.org. Um, and the book is uh, ch- managing to change the world. So going back to our top, thank you for that. Uh, going mm-hmm. back to our topic, which is how to create people centered and uh, mission aligned cultures. So could you give us, three things that you would recommend in order to do that. Yeah. The first one and the most important is, is what we've already talked about being taking the time, even as as painful as it might be um, to prioritize this work up front, but taking the time to develop a clear mission and a, and a, and a set of core values. Right. Um, And if you already have a team, it's not too late. Like I say, we, we, we've been saying that it's great if you would have this as a foundation even before you got started. But if you are already, um, you know, in, 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 in operating and you have a board, um, still do this exercise. And even if you have a mission statement, like revisit it and take time to ensure that everyone is clear on, on what it is that you're trying to achieve and how you're doing it. Because this is another thing I see in the nonprofit sector um, is there are a lot of organizations tackling the same problem, right? Or the same societal issue. What makes you different? What is what is your theory of change, if you will? Like how how are you ad- addressing this problem in a unique way that leverages your unique expertise and your unique strengths and sort of the collection of people that you've got around you, right? Um, and 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 make sure that that is represented in in your mission statement and your values, um, because you need that buy-in from from everyone that's around you. That's number one. Uh, number two, I would say something I, I coach my leaders on often is hire slow and fire fast. Um, oftentimes we do the opposite, right? And I've been there. I've been I've been a, a victim, uh, not a victim, but but I, I've I've been uh, um, I've practiced the opposite of that, where I get desperate for for the need for resources or support, and I hire someone who you know on paper looks great and and they're ready to start right away. Um, but I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't take the time to like check references or do, do you know a formal interview or whatever. And then it turns out uh, they don't work out, and 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 we just lose so much time and energy in that. So taking your time to to be higher intentionally, uh, because like we said earlier, if you have the right people on the bus and they're aligned with your mission and your values, then they're going to add uh, so much more to to your organization and likely will stay long-term and then help you also become uh, they, 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 uh, an advocate for recruiting more people. And then the third thing I would say is, is around communication. Um, this is something I also see uh, nonprofit leaders struggle with. Uh, they, they have a team and their teams have roles and responsibilities and, and they sort of, there's a, there's a, there's this assumption that things are just going to work out because, you know, Look at the org chart. Everything is <laughs> everything's there. Every, everyone's in place, but you really have to have uh, a, com- more communication channels than you think is 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 normal, right? Like it's it's up and down and sideways communication, so that everyone is constantly aligned and and knows where what you know where where the ball is on the court and who and who's moving it, etc. So, um, 
So building in those practices, one one tool that, that has become really popular over the last few years that I actually really enjoy is Slack. Um, and and they're, you know, for nonprofits, there's a free version. Um, so a, a really a, a great way to a, engage your team regularly outside of email. Um, and, and there's an app. It's, anyway, so you can, you can be in communication on the go, especially if you are a remote team or um, uh, if you have a team that travels often for fundraising events and those kinds of things, uh, staying in touch in that way, um, but ensuring that you're communicating often and regularly. Yeah, I think too, I mean, going back to what we're talking about with once you've identified the culture and we talked about, um, you know, that it collects dust, um, that you need to set a, an agenda for once every quarter um, to review that with your team. You know, this is, it's simple enough when you're in a meeting, you're in a huddle, you could say, I just, you know, it's been three months. Let's review what our culture is. Let's review what our mission is, our purpose, how we measure ourselves. You know, let's review that. Any questions? There's any problems with this? Are there instances where we didn't follow this that we can talk about? Mm -hmm. Right. You just need to keep that dust off that thing because that, believe it or not, from my experience, that document, that those areas are the key to your success. Yeah. You know, you, you know, I'm a firm believer in something called, I, I call it high probability activities. And the more you do of things that are going to lead to success, the more you do those things, the bigger, the less of a chance you have of failure. And, and, you know, number one is creating a culture, you know, under, you know, having the document. Number two is making sure everybody understands it and lives by it. Number three, making it, um, a, a, um, a live edible document where you update it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that those are important things to the success of your organizations. Uh, I mean, is that something Juan that you would agree to as well? Absolutely. And I would go, so, so I love keeping it alive as, as, as much as you can, but as the executive director, um, you know, leveraging it in all of your communication, open your, any all staff yeah. email with like a reminder of what our mission is or, uh, share wins from, from your work and, and yeah. tie it back to, to your mission. So, um, those constant reminders are, are incredibly important because it, it happens. We make the assumption that, oh, well, there it is on our website. It's in our handbook and they got it during their onboarding. So I'm sure they know what we do, but it, it's, it's going beyond like memorizing the statement and, and, and to, to what, what you're, what I'm hearing you say is, uh, bringing it to life every day and as much as possible anyway, um, in your, in your organization. So, yeah, I think, you know. Like we, like Lion mentioned, nonprofits have an inherent built-in. The people who work there believe in the mission mm -hmm. of the people that they're serving, right? But it, but if you can add to that, that they also feel like they're working at a great place, you know, that's well run, that's organized. It's it's another dimension to reduce turnover, you know. It, it has had always been said to me that, or um, that I have read that turnover that turnover in an organization. If you think turnover at your organization is happening because you can't pay well, you are sadly mistaken. <laughs> turnover occurs because people are unhappy with the company, with the with the work that they're with either with the. Usually, it's because it's poorly run. So, yep. so turnover is a reflection of management. 
if you have good management, if good processes and procedures, people will accept less money. Yeah. Right. Because they're afraid if they go somewhere else that they're going to lose that. So they'll, they'll consider it a gift that they are working for a company that's well organized, that they, that they, they treat people fairly, that yeah. they're, that they're included in decisions. Um, um, and if you're making the mistake right now saying, well, we have these, we, and so what would you say Juan is acceptable turnover? How much, what percentage? In the nonprofit sector, I say a healthy turnover hovers between 15 to 20%. Wow. That's even uh, higher than I thought. Year yeah, over year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would have guessed 5%, you know, that if you are below 5% your company is really doing well. Um, oh, yeah. seeing- the, 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 the smaller that number, absolutely. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, and, and, I, and I also throw in here, it depends on the size of your organization. I work, yeah, I I work mostly with um, yeah. organizations that are 100 plus uh, staff members. So mm-hmm. those are the numbers that I see. But yeah, I completely agree. If you yeah, can keep yeah. that number lower. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's- I mean, if you have three employees and you lose one, you know, it's 30% of your employees, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, you know, um, and believe me, it hurts when you lose somebody, you know. Um, I, often it takes you losing a couple of people before you realize that it's your organization mm. and your management style. That's the problem, not the pay, yep. <laughs> but yep. there, everyone's going, everyone's going to default to pay. Uh, I'm leaving here because you're just not paying me enough. And I, you know, it just doesn't, if you have a good, or I've seen people who pay people less because they have a great organization. Yeah. You know? Um, so what, I mean, what else in this regards to, you know, inclusiveness and um, mission aligned cultures and, you know, inclusiveness nowadays is such a, you know, should be, it's like the word of the year. Like maybe I'm a little <laughs> behind the time. Maybe it's been that way three years ago, but, but let's use that in this uh, context. Yeah. How would you use, how would you in, uh, do inclusion in, you know, in, in a nonprofit? Yeah. Great question. So a couple of things that I, that I do in my practice when it comes to, and more broadly diversity, equity, and inclusion work. But when, when you, when, when I'm coaching leaders on how to be more inclusive, it's about creating, uh, spaces or, or, or team environments where everyone feel can feel comfortable expressing their thoughts and opinions and sharing their ideas, whether they're, uh, you know, against the grain, right? Like if, if they're, if they're sharing something that is actually opposed, like opposes some, uh, a leader's thought or opinion, that is okay. Like the, the, the idea of inclusion is being open to the, the varying perspectives that are in the room at all times, because, um, and this is why I bring in the diversity piece, right? A lot of people associate, think when, when they hear the word diversity, they think race or, or gender or sexual orientation, but there's so much more to, uh, uh, our, our uniqueness that, that we can't see that is invisible. Um, I often use the analogy of, you know, the iceberg, right. Floating in the water. We see this much of it, but there's, there's a massive piece under the water that we cannot see. And that's how we are as, as humans and our identities and, and how we show up to work every day. So as a leader, you want to foster a, an environment where, um, you're, you want to be curious about, that individual, the, the invisibility, right? Like it's like, well, I want I want your your real thoughts on on you know this strategy. Like we're we're launching a new fundraising campaign. What do you really What do you really think? Don't hold back, right? So, um, and it's one thing to say that, right? To invite, 
the individual, but another thing to create an environment where that happens naturally. Um, and you do that by leading by example. So, you know, express your own doubt or uh, your, your own questions about this. Uh, get vulnerable with your team and they and they will reciprocate that. Right. They're like, oh, well, if, if you if you are also having questions about this, then I feel I feel more comfortable expressing my own concerns, et cetera. Um, so that's what I think about when 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 we think about inclusion. It's it's about um, that that safety, creating safe spaces where um, difference can exist and 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 can be leveraged to make the the organization better. Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me of a time when so I was running. I, I built this one company, and I I really didn't know much about the field we went into. I just, I'm, I, I just typically am good at building companies and I usually, and so I would have these, I was very young and I would have my employees, you know, coming to me and asking me questions and I didn't know the answers mm -hmm. because it was a field I really didn't know that much. So I was very young at the time. And so I would get really, really frustrated, um, and, you know, I, I, I would, I would kind of, you know, kind of, um, I would get really frustrated um, because I didn't know the answers. And so I kind of would, you know, dance around it. And, but then I got to a point where I was like, I learned enough about the industry that I was okay to say to my employees, you know, I really don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know the answer. Let's go find it together. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's weird when you are building a, a nonprofit and you don't know all the answers and you feel like you have to lie about it because you're supposed to be the one who's the leader who knows everything about it. And yet, you know, I learned that once I learned what I didn't know, I felt comfortable in saying, I really don't know. Let's go figure it out together. Yeah. And what I'm, and by doing that, my, uh, the people who worked for me were more endeared to me. They, they were like, Oh, well, he's like a real person, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, and okay. He doesn't have all the answers. I don't expect him to have every answer that's out there. Mm -hmm. And, but I am a fast learner. So, and that's what I think everybody else should be out there as well. So I think it's similar to what you're talking about. Um, you know, showing them that you're a human being. Yes. Um, you know, one of the other things I learned too is, um, sometimes I would take, I learned to take my one person out to lunch every month because mm. then I got to know them personally and they got to know me personally and it kind of changed, you know, uh, you know, how they would give me feedback mm -hmm. because I didn't realize how many of them are scared to tell you the truth. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, just tell me the truth. I'll, I'll take it. You know? Yeah. Um, so you find the same thing? I, I, I do. And, and so I'm, I'm so glad you shared that example because it's so important to, to build those relationships, um, and creating, again, creating that opportunity for people to share more of themselves and to learn more about you. So that's that, that two way street, because that power dynamic to your point about being afraid, you know, that's always there that the, this, even it, even it's in our, our unconscious, I don't know how many people are, are thinking about it actively all the time. I'm sure there, there are, especially if, you know, in the current volatile workspace. But, um, 
but it's but it's definitely in our unconscious. Like, oh, this this individual has the power to eliminate my role yeah. or yeah. you know take my job away. So uh, there's there's this risk management that's constantly going on. But to your point, if you humanize yourself as a leader to them, if you demonstrate to them that you don't have all the answers, you're not perfect, you're not expecting perfection, that we're going to do this together, right? That, and that those individuals were hired for a reason, for their strengths, for the value that they bring to the organization, for their mission alignment, then then there's it, 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 they start to see themselves more as a collective, right? As, as a group and not um, individuals that need to perform and and uh, have all, have all the answers, et cetera. So, um, you start to build this, this team camaraderie, uh, that, that just gives you so much more in the end. Yeah. And I'll tell you the truth. And once I started doing stuff like that too, it made my work funner. Yeah. You know, when you, you know, let's, you know, we, it's so much about people life, right? We're social creatures. Yes. You know, I think this, this whole experiment with, uh, uh remote work, and, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. You know, you see this huge increase of, dep- of depression going on in the United States. Uh, you see remote work going, uh, going way up. Uh, duh. There's you a, know, there's a correlation, a correlation there. there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I, it's, it's, gonna, it's interesting how, how do you create a culture when people can't have those open, fun conversations over coffee, over a water cooler, you know, uh, when they walk in in the first 15 minutes, it's like, what did you do this past yeah. weekend? You know, you know um, I don't know. I'm too far removed from it right now. Uh, you know, I'm very small, but we don't have a lot of employees. So it's a little bit different. Um, past companies that I've had a um, hundred plus people, we didn't have, we didn't work remotely. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it is an, an interesting world right now. And, uh, I think there's a lot of answers where you can use zoom and uh, to, um, engage your, your employees. It just takes a lot more proactive work. Right. Agreed. Absolutely. I was just going to yeah. say that, that it, you can still do it. It's not the same to your point. And it definitely does require more uh, proactivity and intentionality. So I've seen people use organizations use, um, you know, virtual platforms like Slack or sure. there's a number of new team building platforms that have come yep. out over the last few years. Um, but you, you have a team that's dispersed, it's remote, different time zones. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving parts that need to be figured out. But, um, but I, I also believe that the attempt goes a long way. Like if, uh, as an employee, if I know that I have the opportunity to engage informally like in a in a in a coffee chats uh, kind of environment with peers even if i can't leverage it all the time but i know that it's there it it helps yeah and listen i had a guest on once who i you know, i always raise this point about this remote work because it's very interesting to me uh about culture and remote work and creating a company but um he said he said something that it's so true he said it's not gonna it, employees want it it's gonna. It's not gonna go back. They're yeah. not saying. Employees are not saying. I want to be in the office five days a week. Right. Right. You know. It's just. That's it's not really happening. not happening. Yeah. So you know, maybe they want a hybrid. Some of them, I would say, majority of them want to work from home. Right. Uh, I don't know. Are you seeing that too? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So they um, all want to work hundred percent from home. I'm sorry. 
a large majority want to work 100% from you have a few people who say, you know, I want to come to the office twice yeah. a week, right? And you have almost very, very few people, is it fair enough to say? It's like the old timers like me who say is, no, I want to be in the office five days a week. Oh, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's, I, I have a couple of clients that have physical spaces um, and they have their regulars. They have their two or three staff members that show up every day and have their routine and, and, and enjoy that. They, they need that for, for their work style. One other thing I'll throw in here that's been making this remote work stuff really interesting is uh, there's, there's of the people that want to work 100% remotely, now there are these uh, more and more requests for working from anywhere in the world. I get it. Yeah. From anywhere in the world or people who want to get out of their house, go to an office that's near them, like a work, uh, what's it called? Not workspace, um, shared workplace. Oh yeah. Like a co-working like, space. Like, yeah. I, I, is, are you seeing that too, where people say, you know what? I don't want to work out of my house. I want to get out, but I don't want the hour commute mm -hmm. or I, you know, I want to live in another part of the United, the world, but I want to get out of my house. Are you seeing that more prevalent? Not as much. I have seen that. Um, yeah. Not as much, but but yeah, it's interesting because then because then they're basically asking for their employer to pay for yeah you know, the rent. Space, and the so, rent. what's the purpose of uh, someone living so far away? Is to keep them. I mean, I own a large office building, and I have one guy in there right now who is that's why he's a salesperson, but he wants an office, so they they pay for that office for him. So I do see yeah. it firsthand. Um, yeah. All right. Well, listen, it was a great conversation today, Juan. I, I really enjoyed it. I'd like to, I'd like to really thank uh, Juan Tavares from DEI ProFinder for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your, your favorite podcasting app. Uh, the Nonprofit MBA podcast is in the top 1% of podcasts listened to for nonprofits, um, according to the, um, the apps. So, you know, we really appreciate that. Part of it is that we have a five-star rating, and so that really helps us. And if you do like today's podcast or any of the other ones, please give us a five-star rating. And if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit or just to learn more about it, please go to our website, nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Again, nonprofitmbapodcast.com. Juan, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Oh yeah, thank you. Uh, so my website is is where I hang out <laughs> and do business is deiprofinder.com and I'll make sure you have the link to that. I also um, post a lot on LinkedIn. That's the only social platform I am on. Um, so connect with me and follow me um, for more on, on what we discussed today. Great. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Stephen. So I want to thank all of our listeners, not really just for listening. Thank you for that. But uh, for trying to make the world a better place. It is a full-time high-contact sport. Uh, it, uh, I want to remind you that it is a marathon and a sprint. And because of that, you are no good to your employees, your family, your friends, yourself, if you don't take care of yourself first mm. every day. So what does that mean? I think we all know what that means. You need to get up in the morning and say, okay, what am I going to do today outside of my work that's going to make me happy? And that might be exercise. It might be taking good, good care of your nutrition. It could be meditating, praying. It could be taking uh, some time with your family. But you need to do that um, because if you don't do that, it's going to affect everything you do. 
And um, so please keep that in mind. It's a great podcast today. Um, I really enjoyed speaking with Juan. I just want to reach everybody a great day to provide new business insights.